0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Roseby with you again, thanking God for bringing us together again for the study of his word. We're going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship around the table of your word and for the presence of your Holy Spirit in our midst to teach us, to enlighten us, to add life to our life. Lord, we pray that your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword will penetrate us and meet each of us at our point of need and bring healing, deliverance, and wholeness to us for your glory and for our rejoicing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, today we are addressing the subject of faith, specifically the spirit of faith. As born-again believers, God has given us his word and his spirit to live in us, to reveal the Father and Jesus to us and to know the promises that he has for us and therefore to also understand the destiny to which he has called us. And so we are living in a world that is under a a thick blanket of darkness, a world that is full of pressure, full of fear and heaviness and depression. But thank God he has given us his word. He has deposited his faith in us so we can have a good life. The life that Jesus came to purchase for us, it's a life of peace, of joy, and of prosperity. Jesus himself tells us in John 10, 10, that he has come, that we might have life and life in abundance. So if we have faith in him, in his word, because Jesus and his word are one, then we have hope and we have confident expectation. Amen. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Amen. And so the life of a child of God uh, must be lived by faith. Amen. Uh, The faith of God that is given to us. And if there is anything contrary to it that tries to creep into our life, such as fear or despair and dread, then we must rise up and fight them. And this is what we're going to look at today. How the spirit of faith operates. Amen. I'll start by saying that there is indeed such a thing as the spirit of faith. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4:13 reads: We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Amen. So we see here that the Bible speaks about a spirit of faith. We having the spirit of faith. Amen. So this is the first uh, point that I'd like to make. Uh, And the second one speaks about when we believe, then we must speak. Amen. And the writer here says, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, Amen. I will go ahead and develop that uh, later. But what I'd like to uh, mention right now is that um, every word of God is full of revelation, Amen. And uh, this is why uh, the Bible tells us—I believe it's Matthew four and verse four, as well as Luke four and verse four—and this is Jesus speaking, and He says that. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. So man is called to live by every word of God. And as I said, every word of God is full of life and revelation. And so when we are looking at the subject of faith, the spirit of faith, we have to realize that faith is a spirit. It is not just a mental position, amen? Um, often when people ask, uh, you know, about our faith, they want to know, you know, what faith are, are we or are you? Uh, what they are really meaning to ask is, uh, what tenets of belief do you ascribe to? Uh, and this is all about uh, really mental acknowledgement, or if you would say intellectual ascent, but it's not really speaking about the spirit of faith, because the spirit of faith is not something that you learn mentally. It's not about knowledge. It's about nature, our nature, amen, the core of our being. You see, the Bible tells us that God is spirit, and therefore the spirit of faith, which is of God, is just as it is called. It is a spirit. Faith, the faith of God is spirit. Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and verse 3 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Uh, what does that mean? It means that every born-again person has received from God what the Bible calls the measure of faith, which, when it is used, uh, brought us to salvation in Christ. Amen. So the measure of faith came from God himself. Um, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, it explains this. Um, Actually, let me go ahead and turn to that passage, Colossians 12. I'm sorry, Colossians 2 and verse 12. It reads that we are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Amen. We are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Now, let's think, uh, how does faith come? According to Romans Uh, 10 and verse 17, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So really what this speaks about is the God's anointed word, which is spirit. Amen. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And at the same time, we know that we are risen with him, that is Christ, through the faith of the operation of God, and so we see this: that nothing gets done in the kingdom of God without faith. Amen. Actually, we are told in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please God. So faith is really our connector to God. Amen. Uh, salvation. Uh, and we know, first of all, that uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses verse 8, I believe, tells us this. But uh, uh, since without faith, it is in- impossible to please God. And because faith is our connection to him, uh, then salvation and healing, uh, miracles, uh, getting filled with the Holy Spirit all happens by the grace of God and the faith of God. Amen. So we are speaking about God's faith that is in us, the faith that was given, deposited by God inside of us, the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. And without the spirit of faith, then there are no miracles that can happen in us. Amen. And the greatest miracle is, first of all, is our salvation to be taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into God's glorious kingdom, amen, and being reconciled to God and, you know, being closed again with the glory of God. This is the greatest miracle that can ever happen. Everything else is just, you know, an added, an added benefit, Praise God. So if we can receive the spirit of faith and believe God for salvation through Christ Jesus, then the rest should be easy for us. However, because we live in this fallen world, we're going to see as we go through this study that there are forces that are working against uh, everyone, in particular the believer, to prevent us from uh, being all that God created us to be. And this is what, why we are looking into this topic today, the measure, I'm sorry, there's the spirit of faith, amen, hallelujah, and how to operate in it. Uh, So going back to what I was saying, that without faith, there can be, uh, you know, no miracle, um, then we have to ask ourselves, if indeed we have received uh, the spirit of faith that brought us to salvation, and it is by the grace of God that, you know, all this is happening. So we have both his faith and we have his grace. Then the question is, why is it that so many of God's children are not experiencing the best that God has for them? And there are several reasons, but I believe that Three pri- primary ones, Amen, are these. Uh, number one, uh, that there is a lack of knowledge of what belongs to us. Amen. The church in general has not come to a place where really we, we, we know, we understand what belongs to us. And then secondly, uh f- for those who know, uh unfortunately, they do not have the faith to receive what God has for them. And thirdly, there is the subject of disobedience. Amen. Um, And and so concerning the lack of knowledge of what belongs to us, it really stresses the importance of being planted in a good church and receive the right teaching where uh, the leadership is walking in the light of the word amen, and is able to teach uh, from Scripture uh, so that we can know what belongs to us, amen. And of course, we also have to do our own study of the Word and be taught by the Holy Spirit. And this takes commitment, and it takes time, it takes effort, but we have to be diligent at it, amen, if we really want to know what belongs to us. this also means that we cannot be bouncing from one, you know, church to another. Uh, it's not advisable, amen. We have to uh, seek the Lord where he wants us to be and be faithful, remain in that place until God moves us on, amen. And uh, secondly, in this area of that I mentioned of disobedience, um, if there is any area in our lives where we know that uh, that area is in, in, in disagrees with the word of God, then we have to be quick to correct this. Otherwise, the blessings of God cannot flow in our lives. Hallelujah. Oh, you know, um, there's just so much that can be said about all of that. However, I believe that I'm going to focus uh, the rest of this study today on the other point that I made, um, I'd like to look in greater detail into uh, the third reason that I mentioned, that is that many believers, though they know uh, what is theirs, but they do not have enough faith to receive it. Amen. So um, again, we, we know in the word of God that um, ro- that faith comes by hearing. Amen, and hearing by the Word of God, so it's important for us to understand that yesterday's faith um, you know came by what we had heard yesterday. Amen. Uh, however, today's faith comes by what we hear today, and too many times uh, we miss we miss it when we are trying to have Uh, faith for today out of what we heard yesterday. Uh, Yes, we can always build, you know, have our faith added to and build it every day. However, we need a continual intake of the word of God so that our faith can continually increase and be strong in order to receive what God has prepared for us. Amen. And therefore, it's important to note that the Spirit of God uh, goes where He is appreciated and where He is respected, Uh, where when there is no faith, where there is no word, and uh, where there is no belief in the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit, where there is no respect or reverential fear of of God, Amen. then what happens is that the spiritual environment of our lives uh, remains cold. However, when the anointed word of God is present and faith comes, and the spirit of faith begins to rise, and this can be in an individual's life, It can be in a family, in a group, in a church, amen, in a ministry. Then what happens is when the spirit of faith begins to rise, then the anointing of God moves. And this is the place where yokes are broken, where healings begin to manifest, where people experience breakthroughs, amen, and where we see God moving in a powerful way. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, in 1 John chapter 5, um, actually, let's turn to that passage. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read uh, the second part of verse 1. Actually, no, the the first part of verse 1. And then we will skip to verse 4. So that's 1 John 5, verse 1, at first part there, of verse 1, and then verse 4. It reads, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Amen. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that person is born of God. And then let's skip to verse four. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. so. Going to verse 1, uh, the question is, you know, do we believe that Jesus is the Christ? Then if we do, if we have believed in him and put our faith in him, then we are born of God. And because we are born of God, according to verse 4, we are called to be overcomers. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. But then it also, it goes on to say that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. Why? Because it first starts with faith by believing that Jesus is the Christ. This is how we become born of God. And because we are born of God, then we become overcomers. And this is all the victory that our faith brings to us. Amen. So um, the believer is born of God and therefore by faith, he is called to be an overcomer, an overcomer of what? Of the world system, an overcomer of the en- over the enemy, amen. The spirit of faith overcomes the spirit of the world. Uh, uh, conversely, there is another spirit in the world that is far different from the, uh, the living, the, the spirit that is, is in the living church. Amen. And I stress the word living in contrast to what to a dead church where the Holy Spirit, where the spirit is not moving. Amen. Uh, Where where there is a spirit of religion, things that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. Amen. So there is a spirit that is far different from the spirit that is in the living church. Of Jesus Christ. Actually, that spirit is not just different, it is contrary to the spirit of faith. And what is that spirit? Well, we find out about it in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 that says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So we find out that we are not, we have not been given the spirit of fear. So fear, we see here, is a spirit. It is not just a mentality or mindset. It is a spirit. So there is a spirit of fear, and there is also a spirit of faith. And we, according to what we read here in 1 John 5, verse 4, we see that the spirit of faith overcomes the spirit of the world. And what is the spirit that dominates the world? It is the spirit of Fear. Amen, so the spirit of faith overcomes the spirit of the world, which is the spirit of fear. And really this is where the battle is. And the enemy has been very successful in lying to believers and uh, convincing them that uh, about where the battle is and how it is fought. And as a result, uh, many have failed. And the real issue here is about letting go of the natural realm and dealing with the spiritual realm. Amen. And that is why um, I believe 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 tells us that we are to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Notice that the fight is a fight of faith. It is, we are called to fight. In other words, to resist the enemy. Uh, It's not a physical fight. It's not a mind fight. It has nothing to do with our feelings or a feeling fight. No, it is a faith fight. And we we, we understand that even further, uh, even more when as we read Ephesians um, chapter six, and particularly verse 12, that tells us that uh, our warfare amen, is not against flesh and blood. Um, Actually, let me go ahead and read that passage, Ephesians 6 and verse 12. It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. So we see clearly that this is indeed a fight of faith. It's not a physical fight. It's not a mind fight. It's not a feeling fight. a fight, amen. Uh, So when physical things comes against us or things in the natural, let's remember that this is not our fight. For example, if something attacks our body, we are feeling certain symptoms. Well, we are not fighting the symptoms, okay? When people come against us, we have issues that are caused by, you know, in the world, you know, through people, the enemy uses people. Well, let's remember that we are not fighting people, Amen. We are fighting the spirit behind what we see in the natural, Amen. So, uh, as I just said, give the example of let's say uh, something that is attacking uh, our our health, amen? and we we see that as Christians, what oftentimes we do is we start confessing and rebuking the symptoms and. Uh, and you know we tackle them head on and we are trying to make them leave well, that might sound logical in the natural realm because this is what we are feeling this is how we know that there is something wrong through the the way we feel physically but again let's remember that when we look at the symptoms we we, we fix our eyes on the symptoms then we, end up fighting symptoms. And mistakenly, we think that uh, once the symptoms are gone, that we have won the battle. Well, this is very wrong. Uh, We have not even begun to fight, really, because we are not fighting uh, flesh and blood. We are told, amen. Um, And and the same principle applies to our finances, Uh, you know, the bills that we have to pay. And, uh, you know, sometimes people get annoyed and they start um, blaming and rebuking their credit, you know, the creditors, Um, but the matter, the truth of the matter um, is that it's easy to be fixated on what's going on in the natural realm and end up fighting feelings and symptoms and fighting bills, um, you know, and fighting people. And if we do that, we are not fighting a fight of faith. this is not what the the word of God calls us to do. Uh, This is not how we are called to resist. Amen. Um, Things such as, you know, pain um, or symptoms of sickness, any kind of inability we, we might have any kind of lack uh, or poverty. All these belong to the natural realm uh, to, to, to the what the Bible also calls the flesh. And, Uh, What the enemy wants to do is to get us to, you know, get stuck in that realm, that feeling realm, because he knows that if he can get us there, uh, he can defeat us. Um, And so we have to remember that how to fight. If we are fighting in the natural, we are fighting the wrong way, we are fighting the wrong things. Uh, Then all the enemy really has to do is to stir up another symptom or another, you know, Issue, and he'll is got us where he wants us to. Uh, we have to focus on the source of the issue, which is, uh, you know, the spirit behind it. Amen. That's the source. In in uh, for example, first uh, first Corinthians chapter nine, um, in verse twenty six, the Apostle Paul makes this um, statement. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So what was Paul saying here? He's saying that people can indeed fight and hit nothing but air. Um, In other words, they are not landing any punches. Uh, And why is that? Because they are swinging there punches at the wrong things. For example, when we are swinging at the symptoms or uh, at people or when we are swinging at bills, amen, uh, and getting all frustrated, um, we end up being as people who are beating the air, wasting our time and effort. So Paul says, I don't fight like that. Um, as a, uh, it, because Paul knew, knows that our fight is not natural, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And he also, you know, he's the one who gave us this, all this revelation that if the devil can get us in the natural realm, time and time again, he'll, he's going to defeat us. So Paul's, um, you know, way of uh, attacking, I mean, responding to this attack was to remain in the faith realm because he knew that it is in that realm that he can defeat the enemy. And so, you know, several times in the Bible, we are reminded that the just shall live by faith. Amen. And uh, in, in second Corinthians five and verse seven, we are told that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Uh, notice that uh we do not walk by sight. The Bible tells us what we do not walk by, and it also tells us what we walk by. We walk by faith, Amen. So it does not matter what any, uh, you know, what any the way anything may appear in the natural realm. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of report in the natural realm that we that we receive or what we see in the natural. We need to. Come to a place where we are not moved by those things, Amen, Hallelujah. Uh, You see, because again, the source uh, of the problem uh, that we face is is that we are immersed in this natural realm, and uh, it really takes purpose uh, to walk in the spiritual and not to react to what we see and we feel. Um, So. If we are basing ourselves on what on the reports that we are receiving, uh, good or bad, uh, then we are we are walking by sight. Um, however, when we purpose to walk um, by faith, what we hold on to is the word, which is truth. Amen. And and we know that because it is the truth, then everything that is contrary. To the truth, whether it be uh, concerning our finances or relationships or, you know, a bad medical report, then all these things will have to bow to the lordship of the word, which is truth. Amen. And so our faith should be fixed on the word of God, which never changes. Amen. Um, you know, the, the, the same word Of God tells us that um, all of our needs are met um, by His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. All all of our needs are met in Christ by in well by His riches in Christ Jesus, and therefore we have to come to a place where we understand that we do not lack, regardless of what we are seeing in the natural world. Amen. We do not like health. We do not like finances. We do not like good relationship uh, relationships. We um, do not like peace, love, joy, wisdom, knowledge. Uh, it's all ours. We have it. All our meet, needs are met. Uh, but the enemy, uh, you know, focuses on reminding us over and over again about what we don't have, about what we lack, about the problems. And this is when really we have to be strong and stand firm on the word and be discerning of the voices that we are hearing. Amen. Let's remember from our past studies, who says that there are many voices in this world and not every voice that we hear um, is from God. So we have to learn to discern uh, the voices that are, Trying to play in our head, amen, and um, make sure that we we do not pay attention to the devil's words and thoughts. Because if we find ourselves in that arena that is paying attention to what the devil is saying, then he's going to beat us and he's going to torment us. And really, that confirms what um, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 teaches that fear has torment. Amen. Fear has torment. And uh, the word um, Satan's plans and purposes uh, are achieved mostly through those lying thoughts that he tries to plant into our mind. So that is why um, in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, uh, we are told that um, the Lord will keep us in perfect Peace. If we keep our eyes on Him, on His Word, Amen, He will keep us in perfect peace. So, uh, our course of action then is to stay in the Spirit, stay in the faith realm. And when the enemy tries to talk to us about what we feel, then we have to answer back. uh, And all we tell him is actually what we believe, not what we feel. We tell him what we believe. So number one, we have to answer back. Secondly, what do we answer back? We answer back what the word of God says, what we believe in. We are believing God for. Hallelujah. This is how the spirit of faith operates. Amen. And um, I'd like, for example, to um, look at, uh, the life of Jesus, um, how he always walked by faith and not by sight. And he therefore left us an example, uh, by which we, we should follow. We should follow him. If indeed we call ourselves Christians, it means that we are Christ-like, amen. We are to imitate him. And so let's go ahead. And I would like to, um, look at an example Uh, an account given to us in Mark chapter 11, where Jesus spoke, actually spoke to a fig tree. And I know that some might wonder, you know, how can a tree talk? Um, Well, before I answer that, let's go ahead and read that passage. Uh, Let's turn to Mark chapter 11, and I'm gonna read uh, verses 12 through 14. And then uh, for lack of time, Let's go ahead and turn uh, to, uh, we will jump to verse 20, uh, to verse 24. Okay, so we are reading Mark 11, verses 12 to 14, and then verses 20 to 24. Okay, uh, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he, that is Jesus, was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came. If happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Amen. Now notice what we are told here that there is this tree that Jesus saw that it had leaves. And therefore, he knew that because of the, you know, if he saw leaves that, you know, he would find also fruit on the tree. But when he came to it, there was nothing. And then it says in verse 14 that Jesus answered and said unto it. Amen. So before I comment, let's go ahead and read from verse 20 to verse 24. And in the morning they passed by, and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, that is to Jesus, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not die. Out in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Amen. So what do we see? Um, first of all, let me say that in verse um, let's see, verse 14, when he says, And Jesus answered and said unto it. So we see that Jesus is speaking to the tree. Um, And then he says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. And we see when we jump to verse 14, that they saw that the fig tree had dried up from the root overnight. Now, um, for Jesus to answer the tree, it stands to reason that that the tree had spoken. uh, But it's kind of strange because a tree is an inanimate object. And, you know, how can a tree speak? Uh, Well, yes, the tree did speak, not in human audible words, but in the spirit realm. There was a message being, you know, declared or proclaimed um, by the the tree. Uh, It was declaring its own message that I do what I want and when I want. And how do we know that? Well, let me explain. We well, see, um, in that region of the world when a fig tree had leaves on it, it was indicative that the fruits, that is, uh, in this case, the figs, had also come. So you see leaves, you're expecting figs as well. That's how God created and programmed this type of tree to, to be, to perform. However, note that this particular tree had leaves, but it had no figs, so the question is, what was causing this departure from the normal way that it was supposed to operate? And the answer was in the spirit realm, and Jesus discerned it, he knew it, and so he spoke back to that spiritual force or that spirit behind that deviation. Remember this tree the 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 spirit in the spirit realm, was speaking and saying, I can do whatever I want. You created me to, have, to, to, to function this way, but I have decided to do otherwise. I do what I want. So seeing that the tree was now plainly speaking, declaring something which defied God's plan and purpose for it, Jesus had to answer it. So we find out that Jesus cursing the tree was not because he was hungry and was disappointed not to find figs, you know, the figs that he had hoped for. But he cursed it because the enemy was displaying his rebellion through the tree. And this is a lesson for us on how to handle the voices sent by the enemy to thwart uh, God's plans and purposes for our lives. In other words, when the enemy speaks, we must speak back. Amen. We use the word of God to silence him. Amen. And I know that uh, for some who have not taken time to really study that passage, they might be thinking thinking right now that, uh, well, that's easy because Jesus cursed the fig tree. He spoke. He understood all of that. He had all this discernment. But that was Jesus. He's in a special class and we can never Uh, come close to that, we can never do what he did. Well, first, let me say that, yes, Jesus is in a special class. However, amen, yes, he is um, fully God, but let's remember that he was also fully man as he walked on the earth. He was God in the flesh. And uh, in the book of Philippians chapter two, we are reminded of Jesus's humanity while walking the earth, amen, on the earth. Uh, let's turn to that passage there uh, in Philippians chapter 2. I'd like to read from verse 6 to verse 8. It starts, verse 6 starts with the word who, and it's referring to Jesus, amen, uh, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. So we are told here how Jesus who was equal to God but taught it not robbery um, you know to be equal with God, uh, he humbled himself. He came, you know, he took on the form of a servant, servant, and he came on the earth in our own likeness as a you as as a person, not just looking human, but he was fully human, amen, and became obedient and humbled himself even to the death on the cross, amen. So Jesus, being fully man, had physical needs just like we did, we do. Uh, in other words, he needed to sleep, he needed to eat, he needed to rest. Uh, he felt pain, whether it be emotional or physical, just like any human being. And the Bible also tells us that he was tempted, just like all of us. However, he chose to remain sinless. We are told that in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. So Jesus knew temptation. He knew suffering. He he has he had needs just like we all do, but he chose to always walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And he also chose to speak God's word, to exercise his authority and dominion, which is what exactly God has left us here to do as his representative, as his ambassadors. Amen. So we see that Jesus came to the earth, it wasn't for himself. He came to us, for us. And his life mission was fully accomplished. His cross restored many sons, the Bible tells us, to glory. The glory that was lost when sin entered mankind was restored to men, to those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We have regained our righteous stand. We traded our sin for his righteousness. Amen. And 2 uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 10, 21 tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. In him, we became the righteousness of God. He took upon himself our sin. There was an exchange there. Amen. So that we could become the righteousness of God, a restoration of our authority. Amen. So all of this was accomplished by the, by, by the cross. And uh, we see, for example, in Colossians chapter, chapter 1, um, let's go ahead and turn there, Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Um, yes, Colossians 1, 13 says, who, again, talking about Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14 goes on to say, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Amen. So we see here that we were delivered out of Satan's dominion uh, when we became born again. And we, be- we, we were translated into God's kingdom Amen. Into his family, the family of God. And therefore, everything that is pertained to the old life is gone. Amen. It just stopped being when it comes to the born again person. Uh, Satan's (laughs) dominion ended right there. Uh, And therefore, think of it that whatever uh, Satan had brought through Adam, Adam's transgression was nullified and brought under the the dominating power of the person who is a new creation in Christ, amen. And that's why in verse 14, it says, in whom we have redemption, amen, through his blood, amen. This is a perfect redemption. And um, that is why 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, that all things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Amen. So all the old things that he says are passed away are things uh, that have to do with things that belong to the kingdom of darkness, such as failure, uh, poverty, sickness, uh, weakness, fear, uh, a sense of unworthiness. All these things, they have come to an end for the one who is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So being uh, this new creation, we have to understand who we truly are in Christ. We are a branch of Christ. We are part of Christ, just as the branch is part of the vine. And this is what we are told in John chapter 5 and verse 5. Amen. And let's remember, we are part of Christ and Christ is God. Hallelujah. So the same wonderful characteristics which were manifested uh, in Jesus's earth walk can be manifested in us. And that is why uh, we are directed, again, going back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, that we are to fight the good fight of faith. But that verse does not stop there. It says, um, 1 Timothy six twelve says, fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life where unto thou art called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Amen. So we are to fight the good fight of faith. We are to lay hold on eternal life. Amen. And number three, we are called here to do what? Profess a good profession. Praise God. So the good fight of faith that is a battle that has been won a long time ago, amen, by Christ himself. However, our part of it is to, by the spirit of faith residing in us, all we do is acknowledge the defeat of our enemy and we acknowledge our own victory in Christ. In other words, we believe in Christ. and what his cross has done for us. Amen. And therefore, when we take hold of the word of God, as born again of God, we live by faith. We are overcome because faith is programmed to overcome whatever the enemy has done or is doing. Amen. Amen. the fight of faith should not be a struggle on our part because it is a recognition and a confession on our part of the victory that we have won in Christ, amen, over the ad- adversary uh, because of this great substitutionary battle that took place in the spirit realm before Jesus arose from the dead, amen. And so um, the battle. Bible says that we were identified in what happened then. The Bible says that we are crucified. We were crucified with Christ. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. And therefore, we conquered the enemy with him. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And therefore, our confession or our profession means that we are required to make uh, our declaration as boldly as Jesus did. So his continual confession, uh, meaning that he, had, he held fast to his confession, and that was part of his victory. Amen. He, he conquered, his victory was due in part to the fact that he was steadfast and continually walked in the word, in the light of the word. Hallelujah, because he himself is the word. He couldn't do anything else but be who he is. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, be, and before we conclude uh, this study, I'd like to look for a moment at the example of someone that we all know in the Bible, um, Abraham, who who lived, you know, thousands of years before Christ. And uh, he didn't have the Holy Spirit living, indwelling him, like we do in the church, but yet notice that the Bible calls him father of faith. And so if that could happen for Abraham, then we who are indwelled by the spirit of God, we're in a better position, amen, than he he was. Uh, So let's remember that uh, God never requires anything that is too difficult for us, that is impossible. Why? Because he always equips us uh, to do what you know, he he wants us to to do, um, and he equips us to live a life that is fruitful, a life that is pleasing to him, um, and therefore, really, all that we end up doing is not of our own. Um, if well, I don't, I shouldn't say effort, but um, it's not as if we have to reach to places uh, where you know we can find this extra strength to accomplish, you know, what we believe God is asking us. No, he himself is supplying the grace that we need. The Bible speaks about sufficient grace. It speaks about abundant grace. It speaks about great grace. So whatever amount of grace that we need, God always supplies. He goes ahead of us and makes provision, amen, and supplies you know, in supplies to every need, so there's never any lack in his house, uh, any lack in in the lives of his people. Just think of it. When we think of lack, sometimes we think finances. No, it's you know everything. When, for example, David uh, was by revelation, Hallelujah, um, said that the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. It's everything. It was a package deal. If you can. Continue to read that psalm, you realize that it speaks about every aspect of his life. Amen. And so God supplies to our every need. And um, so we have to be able to at least come up to that place where uh, Abraham was. So, in order to do that, I'm going to read from the book of Romans, chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 17. Amen. And here we have God speaking to Abraham. And let's remember that Abraham was childless. Amen. He was uh, old in years, in his 90s, but his wife, Sarah, was also old and barren. And um, this is a situation that you can call twice dead, you know, past the age of childbearing, and then also all your life having been barren. So this is what the, 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 conf- the, the they were facing but here it is God is speaking to Abraham and um, in Romans chapter 4 in verse 17 it reads as it is written I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were amen so uh, I would like to underline three things from this verse here, uh, first of all, that God says, "I have made thee a father of many nations." It's important that we note that He didn't say, "I will make you." He says, "I have made thee." Past tense; it's done. Amen. We're going to come back on that, but let's see. Number two, uh, notice that faith. He says, uh, "He," you know that it, he calls you. Actually, let me read that verse again. Uh, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Amen. So um, faith here we see is working and is not calling those things that be as though they are not. What do I mean by that? I have kind of reversed what was said here, um, that God calls those things which be not as though they were. So in other words, we have to be very careful not to do the opposite, not to call those things that be as though they are not. And what I mean by that is that we should not act as if we are in denial by avoiding to face some things that need, let's say, to be addressed. And then we call that faith. Faith, no. It's like burying your head in the sand and pretending that it's not there. That's not what faith is all about. Rather, we are told that faith confronts the issue and calls the solution into being, calling those things that be not as though they were. Again, it's that same principle, the just shall live by faith. Amen. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. This means that without calling those things that be not as though they were, it is impossible to please God because this is how faith operates. Amen. Calling those things that be not as though they were. And by using our faith to do that, then we are pleasing God. And if we are not, then we are not pleasing God because this is how faith must operate. So that's what God was doing with Abraham when he told him, I have made thee a father of many nations. And then also when God changed Abraham's name to Abraham, uh, the name Abraham means father of many nations. So not only God told him, I have made you father nation, but now God says, you're calling yourself father of many nations. Now let's go on and um, let's look at the next verse. Romans 4, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope? that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Um, What does this verse tell us? Well, we see here that uh, we see what Abraham did so that he might become what God had made him. God says, I have made you a father of many nations. Amen. So Abraham had to do something by faith to become the father of many nations. And so we are seeing that against hope, he believed in hope, amen, so that he might become the the father of many nations that God had made him already in the spirit realm, according to that which was spoken when God told him, so shall thy seed. So how does that connect with us? What does that mean for us? It means that God has already made us. What he said in the spirit realm, the same way that he had made, already had made Abraham what he said he had done in the spirit realm. And so the application for us is that when God has made us to be something, it is our responsibility, it is our job to become it. Amen. He has made us, for example, the healed of God. So it our, it's our job to become healed and by doing what the word prescribes for us we become what we are made to be amen so god did not make us to be depressed or fearful or tormented and so we are to find out what god has made us to be and we find out in the word and in our time that we spend in prayer as the holy spirit leads us He speaks to us and reveals things about what God has for for us, amen. And so uh, it's our job to become what we see in the word of God that God has made us to be. Even Jesus had to become who God made him to be. He just didn't sit at home and say, well, I'm the son of God and therefore everything is just going to be handed over to me. No, even as a child, uh just, he was, I think, 12 years old. We find him in the temple. <clears throat> he says he was going about his father's business. He was preparing to become what he was made to be. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, for example, in verse 15, we see that Jesus went uh, into uh, the temple, amen, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And they say, as his custom was, he stood up, To read, Amen. He took the 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 book, the scriptures, the scrolls, and he went to read. So we see that Jesus was always in the synagogue, as his custom was, the Word tells us. He was reading. He was studying the scriptures. It's not just because you know God gives us a a, a talent or abilities or a grace to be something. that we just sit on it and believe that we do nothing and it, it, it's going to, you know, we will realize our full potential. No, we have to um, be taught, we have to study, we have to practice, amen, uh, if we want to become all that God has created us to be uh, because he has deposited that great potential in us and therefore we have to use it to become That person. It is our responsibility of becoming what God has already made us in the spirit realm. We have our part to play, and even going back to Jesus, uh, Isaiah chapter fifty and verse four is a prophetic word. It's it's actually referring to Jesus here, and um, where we see him spending time in communion with his Father, um, which was you know first thing every day. That he was he, he did based on this this scripture here um, you know and during that time God the Father was revealing knowledge uh, to Jesus first of all about him himself, the father, and then also about Jesus. amen uh, let's go ahead and read that passage Isaiah chapter 15 and verse four it says, "The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned." That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Amen. So this is speaking about Jesus here, um, who uh, spent time with the Father. He says, morning by morning, he wakeneth me. Jesus, each day, he was spending time with the Father. Um learning from the father, receiving knowledge about the father and about himself. That is why in his ministry, you know, he spent so much time with the father that uh, he said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. Amen. This prophecy here is saying exactly this. This is what Jesus did. The time that he spent in communion with his father, learning, amen, um, what the father was doing and what the father is saying. So that he could go and live it out. Amen. Becoming who the Father created him to be. So um, Jesus had to find himself in the Word and become what he saw himself to be in the Word. So we too must find ourselves in the Word and become it. Amen. And how do we come it? By believing God, by calling, by acting like God, calling those things that be not as though they are making a demand on the word for those things to show up. That's what Abraham did when he accepted to call himself Abraham, father of many nations, amen. Um, If we look at verse 18 again, it says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to what which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So notice that Abraham called those things according to what was written, not according to what he felt or he figured out or he calculated by his mind, but according, he called those things according to what was spoken. Amen. So in the same manner, we also, regardless of the situation, must always hold fast to God's word, stand on what God has said, believe that he's going to bring it to pass. Amen. And speak the word, his word, no matter what. And he is God and he always has the last word. Amen. And in closing, let me say that, you know, Luke 17, 21 tells us that the kingdom of God is within the believer. Amen. And in order to walk in this kingdom reality of who we are in Christ, we're going to have to learn to let our hearts override the flesh and let the Holy Spirit, the spirit of faith, lead us. You see, the flesh does not want to let us out. So we have to, on purpose, break out because we have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. We have an amazing potential inside of us. Amen. And we cannot allow the flesh to shrink us down to the size of our minds. So our decision must be and should be to renew our minds, to think like God. And the Bible calls us ambassadors of God. We have to believe that this is who we are. Amen. We are his ambassadors filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And having his kingdom inside of us. This defines our identity. This is who we are. So let God be true and every man, including our flesh, be a liar because this is who we are. We are who he says we are. So let God be and every man a liar. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for your word to us today and for the fresh anointing of your spirit stirring us to arise in faith. Arise in hope and love and do what you divine us, what you divinely design us to do. Lord, we thank you that by faith we will see ourselves as you see us. Oh God, uh, we will see ourselves walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and doing the very works of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that your love will move us to step in what you have revealed us to us, O God, to do by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that as we do it, you will confirm your word with signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that indeed you have begun this great work in us and you're faithful to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you all glory, all honor and praise for what you have done and are yet to do to glorify your name in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for his leading today. and. Uh, We thank you for being with us and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time. God bless you and have a good night.